Welcome back to Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Not too much, Andrew. How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, it's uh, I guess we can talk about the weather because it's everywhere. It's hot. It's real hot. Yeah, yeah. The entire world. Super hot. At least the entire country. Yeah. I, I will say that it is hotter in the Pacific Northwest than it is in Phoenix today. So. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't but, understand. But uh, anyway. Um, I did do a couple things. Before we get to that, I want to talk yeah. to you about something. What's that? So, have you heard of a car company called Electra Mechanica? No. Okay, so we're walking through. First of all, I have not been to a like brick and mortar like mall in forever, right? At least a year, probably. At least that probably longer because I never went to them before this whole world thing. Exactly. Happened. So we went there because we had a couple things we wanted to pick up, and it was one of those things where, um, I don't whatever you want to try things on, make sure they work for you, order them, or buy them online anyway. So we have a mall here that's called the uh, Fashion Square Mall. Um, it's kind of like an uppity, fancy. You know, the, it's like the North Shore Mall that you're used to, but like turned up to 11. So it's very like, it's hoity-toity. Like if you're a celebrity in town, you come here to buy your jewelry. Like it's that, it's super fancy like that. And people it's like watching that mall there, in Newton. Yeah, exactly. And like it's, it's busy because it's, you know, most malls are dead. But this mall, because of its like uppityness, is very busy. But anyway, the moral of the story, there is a new car for sale at this mall it was like a little dealership for it. And this car exists in this world and I had never heard of it. Um, and I'm apparently you have not either. It's called a solo. Go on. Like, an Electra Mechanica, Me- Me- Mechanica, M-E-C-C-A-N-I-C-A, Electra Mechanica solo. I don't know much about it. All right. So the way you're describing it, I'm envisioning like, a single person capsule thing. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Just from the name. So it's got it's it's got three wheels, obviously, because you can't make <laughs> a car with four wheels legally because then you had to register as a car. This is a scam. No, it exists. <laughs> yeah. The one you them. saw. No, they have you can buy them. They have a dealership of them. There's more than one there. You can okay. buy these things. <laughs> but so here's the thing. If you're in the market for cheap transportation, what what do you do? You look at Hyundai, like cheap Hyundai, you look at a Mirage, yeah. you look at a Kia, you look at a Nissan Versa. If you're going to spend the money to buy a small car, you probably want it to be I don't know, normal, right? A, a car a car. You don't want it to Four be Four doors, sh- a trunk. A shoe. So this car is essentially it's a it's it's a single person like, car. Is it like two up if you could sit two people? Like a No, it's one up because there's only <laughs> one person. It has it has one seat. So obviously it's electric. Um it's got a hundred mile range, which is not great. The rear wheel drives it. So picture <laughs> picture a high this top is- this is some st- stupid tech bro stuff. Like, P- picture a high top cars, guys. Yeah, P- 
picture a high top Converse All Star with for like a really wide foot, like a clown shoe version of a Converse All Star, and that's kind of what this car looks like. So, what would you pay for a single seat EV with a one hundred mile range? Uh, and I hear these, you know, pretty crazy numbers here. It's a hundred mile range. It does eighty miles an hour, and zero to sixty is in a lively 10 seconds well um i wouldn't pay anything for it because i'm not an idiot but what do you think someone the... would pay for the privilege to do zero to 60 in 10 seconds in a car not much bigger than them i i bet they're asking 45 50 for it oh no 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 okay well you're way on the wrong side of things okay so it's eighteen thousand dollars oh but eighteen thousand dollars buys you a whole ass Nissan Versa. Yeah, it does zero to sixty in about the same amount of time. But if you're doing zero to sixty in ten seconds, you want to be in something that you have some chance of survival in, do you not? Because where are you going to accelerate from zero to sixty yeah. in ten seconds and not be rear-ended by everybody in traffic? Yeah, at least a Versa's gone through uh, some sort of crash testing. I guarantee you, there is nothing. Might not be great. There is not a crash test this could survive. But yeah, it's like it's three wheels. That's the whole point. You don't have to crash test it because it's basically a motorcycle. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a more dangerous motorcycle. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, they are. Uh, they're out. They're here. I haven't seen one on the road yet, but I've seen a couple of them in, at their quote unquote like dealership. Chinese built. It must be. Uh, I don't know. I didn't get that that into it. I don't know if there's like a. They're so new, they don't have a Wikipedia page yet, which I was just looking for oh, to see Jesus. if I could find the quick information on them. Um, looks Dude, like it's such a scam. Yeah, Motor Trend has driven it, it looks like. So they can probably give us a... I mean, honestly, the front of the car, if you just looked at it from dead on, it looks like almost like a normal Hyundai or Kia. But then the second you start to turn to the left or the right, you notice that it just it fades off into the distance too fast because it gets really narrow in the back. Yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It's not as bad as the the new Tesla yoke bullshit. No, it's worse because it's a whole car that's worse than that yeah. one item of that car. Yeah. So it looks like it just it's only for sale so far in Arizona, California, and Oregon. So, did you see? I don't know if I sent you. There's a video of somebody trying to do, kind of comically, but trying to do like a three point turn with that wheel, like hand over hand. <laughs> Oh, the it's one like in the Tesla? So dumb. Yeah. yeah. And then like trying to shift from forward to reverse. And then the comments are like, why are they complaining about shifting the gears? There's no gears, electric motors. Like, no, you dummy. That's not. <laughs> it's just a colloquialism. You just say shift from reverse gear to drive gear. I understand it's a motor. It's just a speed controller. You're switched forward to reverse in the motor. But like the fact that you have to swipe a tablet to go from forward to reverse is so stupid. No. And I. You know, listen, I don't I don't like the Tesla car is I'm fine with it, but it's the people who are enthusiastic about them are so annoying. There's some some weird gimmicks. Yes. And it's not a good like just put a lever and a regular wheel. And it's fine. You're an old man, Andrew. What can I say? I'm not an old man. That's a standard the way cars work. Listen, I felt the same way when they took my buttons away on my cell phone. So and look who's but they work. They work. That's the Sometimes thing. they work most of the time. 
right. And I want my reverse lever to work all the time. I don't want to swipe a tablet and have a screen yeah, exactly a boot screen. But whatever. That's 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 off topic here because I'm still concerned about this electric mechanica because I don't understand who their buyer is. I don't understand somebody who has twenty thousand dollars that wants something that's slow and inefficient and dangerous. I don't know. There's a sucker born every minute. It asks for every seat, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, just buy a motorcycle at that point. Speaking of other new vehicles, have you heard yeah. of the motorcycle company SSR? Nope. So me tonight. Yeah, I'm learning all these new things today. And maybe it's only because I'm out here in the Wild West with no rules. But there is a motorcycle called an SSR. Uh, okay. it's, a chi- it's Chinese. Um, but they make a 250cc V-twin. Okay. Uh, 60-degree V-twin or 90-degree V-twin, whatever, 60, 90, whatever Harley is. Same, I think it's 60. I think it's 60. Um, 63 V-twin, 250. It makes like 20 horsepower, uh, which is the same as... It's more than my old little 250 I used to ride was, and I'm not a small man, and I rode a little 250, no problem around town. But they make one that's a cafe racer style, and it's $3,000, and it's really neat. So I'm excited about that. I'm as excited about that as I'm not about the electric Mechanica solo car. Does it have, like, retro styling then? Yeah, 100%. It looks like a vintage cafe bike. That's cool. Um, I meant to Which way does the V twin face? Is it just like a Harley? The Har- oh, it's yep. just like a Harley. Yep, sideways, just like a normal motorcycle. Um, I'll send you a picture of one that I took, you know, after the show. But that's art, and I was like, oh. Because which way that. is a, a Moto Guzzi is like side to side, right? It's yeah, it's like a BMW's um, engine layout, but in a V instead of a flat. Yeah. That's the way those are. But no, this is a, uh, it's actually like, uh, it, it's making me look at it like, hmm, I could ride that. <laughs> it's a really neat, really neat vehicle. And for so cheap, like you don't even have to think about it, really. How much are they? $3,000. And it's mm-hmm. a full size. So basically you're buying a Grom, but in a full size motorcycle. Yeah. I just sent you a picture of it. Um, you could also get a... Um... Which call it Royal Enfield, which is kind of proven. As yeah, far as cheap bikes go. Yeah, that's true. But well, that's pretty good looking. That kind of looks like a Moto Guzzi kind of thing. Yeah, I walked up to it. I thought it was like a, or a Ducati. I thought it was for a distance. I thought it was a Ducati because it's red. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, and as I got closer, like a... as I got closer, I realized it was probably not a Ducati, but I thought it was like a modified. Like a Suzuki SV650 or something. Oh, that's over at 4 till 4, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we went over there this weekend um, with uh, our friend Chris because his father was in town. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to go over there and get to one of the shows. But unfortunately, it's, it was fourth, fourth Saturday, so it's Adventure Mobiles. Um, um, and it was kind of warm out, so a lot of people didn't show up. Yeah. So there were a couple of cool, uh, you know, off road vintage Range Rovers, Land Rovers, and a bunch of new Tacomas and Wranglers. So mm. it wasn't exactly the best of times, but I learned about the SSR 250 Cafe, which is neat. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd buy it over at a Royal Enfield or not, but it's neat to have all these cheap options for, for motorcycles because the, the Royal Enfield is a 450. It's a little bit bigger. Um, 
there's the uh, Yamaha does the uh, SR 400 still or up to last year they did. So you can still buy a new one of those for about 4,500 bucks. So there's a few other bikes in the same range that are, that are proven bikes, but you know, 3000 bucks for a brand new bike with a warranty. Isn't the, isn't bad. Nope. So and I guess it depends on where your dealers are too, as far as servicing and stuff. Cause there is dealers out here, whereas there probably aren't any in Massachusetts. So, but anyway, that's all the new car news I care about this week. Or new car stuff. So, what'd you do, Andrew? I know you did some uh, project car stuff. Yeah, let's see here. What did I do? Uh, oh, after I went to Cars and Coffee, I, we talked about it. I was going there to okay. the one Southern New Hampshire one. Sure. Uh, well, going and coming back, the uh, wide band just totally died in the in the glant on the highway, just, just flatlined. So, I ordered a new one. Waited for it to come in. I apparently mistaked which AM wideband I have because the website stinks to try to figure out which is which. I honestly didn't even know AEM was still a product you could buy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally still around. I guess I just, I just have not. I'm not in a world where I see that anymore. You know, <laughs> there's no there's no sport compact car to read to see the ads in it for AEM products. Just but, off, it's off my radar. You know, I should have looked through old emails because I had ordered the correct one years ago or three years ago, actually, 2017 to replace it four years ago. Um, but I was like, for some reason, I had my brain. I was like, maybe I got the wrong one and that's why it didn't last that long. So I should double check it. And I came up with a different number. And it was totally the wrong one after I put it in. So, so you're, the replacement one you bought is the wrong one. Your totally old one is the correct one. Yeah. Okay. So I had to reorder it. And That's then hopefully annoying. I can send it back to Summit. You already installed it? Yeah, because I wasn't paying attention because I just, like an idiot, I I was like, yep, I ordered the right one. You can have to look the same from a distance, I guess. That sucks. A lot of companies aren't great about taking back electronic items, but fingers crossed yeah, they'll take it. Summit might be because they're so big. They might not yeah. care. Well, fingers crossed. Let's hope. I mean, They'd it's obviously not like, used because it's, it's the O2 sensor, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't but, start the car on it. Right. So they'd know if it was used to have all soot on it. But since it's not used, maybe they'll take it back. Yeah, they might. They might do open box stuff. Fingers crossed. Something. Yeah, hopefully. Otherwise, reach out to Andrew for a deal on a new <laughs> incorrect yeah. one for the Galant. So annoying. Um that's annoying how little time that lasted. Like literally, like fifteen thousand miles. Dead. So, first one got like thirty thousand miles out of it. You think that they last? They should all last longer than that. They should, I mean, it's a bit of a rich tune, but it shouldn't it shouldn't matter that much. Is it the sensor that goes bad itself? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, maybe it does. Maybe you can clean it. It's just a Bosch sensor. Yeah. I don't know if you can clean them. I don't think you can, but. It would make sense if you could, but if it's just it's soot, soot that builds up on it. No, they get overheated. It's not soot. There's no soot oh, okay. on it. Okay, 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 okay. It's soot literally... That's the dumb thing, right? It tells you to, like, put them... That's probably they're out. It tells you to put them, like, you know, 12 inches or something from the exhaust port or whatever. Which, it's in the factory location on a second-gen O2 housing. So it's kind of fur... It's, like, as far down as you can get before it goes into the downpipe. Yep. Because... You know, that's the other thing, too. It's a turbocharged car with an air-fuel mixture that is very important that you don't blow it up. So you don't want the O2 sensor 
three feet away from the engine because that is time. Yeah, that's reaction false. time. Yeah. Plus, you can so, get a false reading that way. Yeah, if there's a so the car was also getting a false reading for a little while because the gasket was blown out there. I, I fixed that when I replaced the flex pipe, so it was running better until this thing went bad. And it was it was weird because it was still running fine without it reading. So it's like I don't I don't know. It seems to be just the sensor part. Mm-hmm. That's what happened last time. I it, it flatlined. I put a new sensor and it was fine. So. And well, my assumption is when the sensor goes bad like that, it, it probably the ECU probably just runs the way it was running before it went bad. I assume, right? It might have been last, just the wideband part. Last known good reading. It might have just been the wideband part because the it 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 gives a narrowband output. That's what actually runs the ECU. Okay. The wideband all it does is give me a, a reading. It doesn't Data actually. In the car. It doesn't actually tell it how to how to right. tune it. It goes off other stuff in the ECM link. Just it just gives you a reading so you know how to tune the car. Otherwise, yeah, okay, or what it's doing. Um, so yeah, that was just annoying. Um, then I took my. We were supposed to go to the zoo, but Stephanie wasn't feeling well, and the baby had been sick, and I was starting not feel well, so we just stayed around the house on Saturday. And I was like, well, let me try. Uh, let me try with this Chinese snorkel again on the Montero. So I started that at like 10 in the morning. Let's see, by about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I actually have the snorkel mounted to the fender. Okay. It a was day. a nightmare. Yeah. Um, the template didn't line up. The parts to mount it to the airbox don't line up. I, I still have to like fiddle with that to make it work. They're like just way too wide, like way too wide, like six inches too wide to fit under the fender. And I trimmed some of them down still, but the coupler, like I I need to just look at it more. And I was just like tired and hot. I was like, I can't figure it out. I just need to measure where the coupler is and where the airbox is and buy some kind of a fitting to go between them, right? Well, no, it wouldn't. I wish it was that easy, but there's a there was like. A little air horn and a silencer that was bolted to the outside of the inner fender. Okay. That went through to the airbox. And this is supposedly has an adapter that's supposed to bolt there too. So you just plumb it right into it. But it doesn't quite but work. It doesn't quite work. It needs to be like a flat piece with just a round three inch tube to it, but it's like this bulbous alien head looking thing for some reason. Let's just put the tube around it. Uh it's like a square opening. Oh, from the so factory one. Got a square tube. I mean, how many more things can I say, Andrew? Come on. <laughs> it's very easy. Dry, get a oversized dryer duct and bend it to fit. Yeah. Uh, I think I found a couple that might work. I, High school style. I wish I had kind of not cut as much because somebody mentioned to me, like, oh, that plastic was like it's, it, you could heat it up in the oven and, like, squish it down. I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. But too late, I cut some of it off. So mm. I should be able to make it work, I think. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Either way, it's uh, it's all set for when you run the Dakar next month. Yeah, right. There's um, <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing I didn't care about the fender that much or the paint. <laughs> I, mean, I put blue tape down, but like, I cut the whole. It basically it shot straight into the airbox like that lined up, but then because it was weird, like the molded snorkel definitely had a cutout that fit around the antenna. 
so I put the template onto it and marked with a Sharpie where that antenna spot was. So that's how I located on the fender. Okay. I taped it in place, pushed it down flat. Um, was like, I guess this is as close as I can get it because you can't get the snorkel to fit flat because the tube sticks out of it before the fender holes there. Okay. So you're like, I think I'm close enough. So I drilled the holes. So the tube is molded to the snorkel. So you can't put it like flush against the car to get a good yeah. mount. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's annoying. Until the holes cut there. So I cut that hole. Um, wasn't quite big enough. I had to like grind it out. Got it to fit flush. Finally, it's like far off the a pillar. <laughs> like cool. So, but that you could probably leave in the sun for a while and kind of manipulate it. It was already sitting in the right? sun today and it's like super it's it's I was bending it a little bit after it was hot. Okay. And it's it's starting to come down to where it needs to be. And then once it's bolted in place, it's soft enough and flexible enough. And, and after I bolt it, I'll just let it sit in the sun for a few days. It'll it'll just permanently stay that way, I'm sure. Yep. But I mean there were some sins committed to mount this thing. <laughs> Well, if you can't see them, then all is good, right? <laughs> yeah. There's some grinding. And then I realized it came with giant, like, one-inch fender washers for, like, a five-mil bolt. And I was like, oh, I know why they did that. Because I originally just drilled, like, five-mil holes, which are, like, quarter-inch for the studs. Mm-hmm. They didn't line up um, in the, in the <laughs> template. I was like, well... I know why they did that then when they gave me giant washers is because I took the step drill <laughs> and drilled. There's like half inch holes now <laughs> for these things. And the washers go over them. Yeah. So they don't pull through and they give me enough give to get it in place. So basically they know it doesn't fit, but they sell it anyway. Oh, and they yeah. give you and they give you washers to hide the sins you're going to inevitably create. Oh, yeah, it's. I still need to go out and I need to just touch up paint the holes that I drilled. And then when I put it together, I'll just. So, what company makes load this it up part? with fluid film? It, I don't know. It's some random thing off eBay I got. Okay. And I told the guy, I was like, this thing doesn't fit at all. And the guy was like, real smart ass to me. He was like, yep. I, was like, I think cool. I sold it to you. Yeah. <laughs> was so. he a dealer that sells them? Yeah. Okay. Oh. And I talked to a couple other people. And they're like, yeah, they're just nightmares to fit. Like, all right, whatever. At least you're not alone. They look cool. Suck to fit. Yeah. Probably well, not worth it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, uh, it's like glamour mods, right? Yeah, I mean, it'd be good it. for doing a forest rally when you're driving down those roads. It's all dusty because you turn the top the other way like they do in Australia. Right. So it just, it doesn't ram dust down into it. Or for you, like I said, you're all ready for a Dakar next month. So you can, yeah. you can go around with the big boys now. Yeah. Whatever. You're right. It looks cool. I do. I do dig it. Yeah, I'll would've... make it. I'll make it work. I'm committed now to making well, it work. You have a five inch hole in your fender. You're definitely committed now. <laughs> it's either that, or I just put the factory air horn back in there because it'll fit. And it'll just be for looks, full on looks. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't do that. It's like it's like a it's a long tube cold air intake now. Yeah, it would technically be ram air. I mean, it's technically a a cold air intake. You know, unlike every other cold air intake that's sold, doesn't sucking hot air from under the hood i mean i didn't disable the truck you still drive it it's just a five inch air defender <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is fine yeah and the truck wasn't still need to do my uh 
the, the bed liner, the silver bed liner underneath the, the silver part. Well, I think you should get all of your Chinese accessories mounted first before you start doing paint work and making it look nice. Because then you can fix it all later. This is the only one. The only other accessories to buy. <laughs> no, the only, the only other thing I have is the the, the really nice adventure driven design bumper that I need to weld up. Okay, I, I know that will fit. <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen those go on. Yeah, will definitely fit. And it's and he's made that all adjustable for tweaked trucks, so it will fit. <laughs> yeah, I I watched it get assembled on a truck that had um, some questionable. Uh, frame and angles and he made it work and made it flush so you can make yeah. it work on anything so yeah so I gotta do that and I'm gonna paint it the same color silver it'll be all silver uh, mount my IPFs in the front I bought another set of IPF fogs as opposed to I just have driving lights I got a set of the IPFs that say super off-road on them in the, in the grid so it'll have four IPFs yep. on it cool yep. yeah oh it'll totally look cool yeah Again, now you have all your lights and your snorkel, and you're definitely ready for desert running. Totally, totally Jeep in here. Absolutely. We should eat wicked Jeep stickers. You can go hang out with them at the mall on Wednesday nights. Yeah, I'm going to take all my doors off, put a furry hat on, and... Uh, I believe it was a furry helmet he was wearing, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Again, I don't really hate Jeeps. Uh, People are just weird. Sorry. They're just too weird. I, it's the same with a lot of things, and I'll, I'll catch flack for saying it, but I'll say it again. It's Jeep people, Tesla people, uh, and sometimes Subaru people, and Harley Davidson people. They're all very specific people. Not everybody that owns one of these things is in that same category, but there is a large number of them that all fit a mold. And uh, also modern Mopar people. So there's uh, there's definitely I mean, a mold. We all cosplay to a point, right? But I mean, some people take it to extreme. Oh, ab- absolutely. <laughs> and again, I'm not I'm not hating on anything. It's just uh, um, there's there's some people you can look at them and you can be like, that guy drives a jeep, or you look at his jeep and be like, that's a jeep person, you know. And it's and it's the same with all of those vehicles. And again, it's not positive or negative. It's just you know it when you see it, <laughs> and there's no denying it. So, I, you know what? Honestly, there's probably a Montero person too, and we're probably it, and we just don't see it because we're too we're too deep in the game. Oh yeah. Meanwhile, I'm putting all this stuff on my truck. So, <laughs> well, 100. percent But you also don't have. Uh, I don't know what to say. Never mind. I'm gonna leave it alone. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we fit some kind of a mold, and we just don't see it because, like I said, we're we're too deep into it to even realize. But whatever. Because I mean, we're in their group, we can talk about their group that way. I mean, we were basically, uh, you know, flannel shirt, um, flat brim, uh, microbrew beer dudes, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess the, the 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 vintage car hipster vibe, I guess, is what we would be. Yeah, right? yeah. Whatever it is, what it is. Again, like I said, there's definitely something that there's definitely a mold that we fit in, but it's not one that we're outside of, so we can't see it. So we're gonna make fun of the other ones. No, we're and definitely for um, who's offended by anything I just said. I don't care. It's my opinion, and life goes on. No, because we're definitely forty-something beer dads, right? Like that's well, sure. Like definitely, like I can't I'm be offended just... anymore though, because now I can't have gluten, so I don't even drink beer anymore. What a jerk I yeah. am! I quit everything. I'm an awful human being. <laughs> 
anyway, um, any other projects you've worked on, Andrew? Get, to, get, uh, no. to just get back on the rails here before we offend everybody, including ourselves. No. What did you do to your clunk buckets? Oh, boy. Okay. So I used them. So that's good. Um, I talked last week about ordering some suspension parts for the Eclipse. Oh, uh, yeah. And I left off with I had ordered the Tyne Springs. Oh, yeah. This is a. I'm involved in the story. I like yeah. this story. Yeah. Turns out that Tyne Springs do not. Tyne does not sell springs for a front wheel drive 1g dsm yep they only sell them for a all-wheel drive so in doing some digging and some research i found that the only company the only let me rephrase that the only reputable company that currently makes a set for a front wheel drive dsm is h&r you can get some other ones i think like megan racing and uh i don't know Blue Motorsports or something like that they're called. Companies I never heard of sell cheap springs, but I'm not going to buy those. Um, nobody makes, other than H&R, a set of springs specifically for the front-wheel drive DSM. So, I ordered the H&Rs. Was told by the website that they were a two- to four-day turnaround before they ship out, and they'd ship out to me and have been about a week. Next day, I got an email saying that they're up to and beyond a month out right now which I'm sure has something to do with all of the shipping issues that the world is having, you know, in this post-COVID world we're living in, all the supply chain issues everywhere. I'm sure it's somewhat related to that somehow. So they're not available. So you and I commiserated about this for a while because I need to have these things in my hands before this weekend because the weekend after this, we're going to go to uh, Radwood NorCal, and I don't want to drive out there on blown struts, and I don't want to put the car back together with stock springs. I mean, I guess that wouldn't be the end of the world, but I, I don't want to do it. So you happen to have lying around a set of Eibach Sport Lines. Sport Lines or Pro Kit? I don't remember now. Those are Pro Kits. Pro Kits. All right. Eibach Pro Kits. So those are the not quite as low ones, right? No, like inch and a half. Inch and a half, two inches. So I, you happen to have a set of Eibach Pro Kits lying around that I bought brand new back in like the year 2000. Um on some completely blown out KYB AGXs that I also bought brand new. Well, some of them, a couple of them probably replaced, but they were pretty old nonetheless. I replaced the fronts actually because they were blown when I got them, and then they were blown again. Right, because the guy who I had installed them for me back in the day before I did much work on cars myself told me that the bump stops were not necessary. So they didn't last very long, obviously. Yeah, springs are so stiff, you don't need bump stops, man. Yeah, he was like, man, look at how much travel there is. If, if if you needed a bump stop, then this wheel would be through the top of your fender. That's what he told me. I'll never forget it because I know how wrong it is now. But, you know, 18-year-old <laughs> me was like, okay, sure. Um, anyway, I've learned. So you shipped those springs out to me. I actually got two of them today. I those are the rears. <laughs> okay, I haven't got the other ones yet. Now, here's, no. the, here's the caveat to this whole story. Those are also all-wheel drive springs. For you trying. So the Ford way, post said it works. The way we're looking at it is the diameters of the springs are the same, whether it's a front drive or an all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. The only difference is the um, the spring weights. So I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I think the only thing that will happen is that the car won't get quite as low in the back. Maybe. I'm assuming. 
I'm hoping it doesn't get lifted. If it gets lifted, I'll be upset. If it stays where it is, it won't I'll be lifted. okay. No way, because you could actually put those rear ones on right now without compressing the spring. They're they're loose in the in the strut when I took them apart. Oh, really? I didn't need to compress them. Okay, so and that's just the way the rear lip the the rear lowering springs fit on those cars. They're just not that tight. So, but and, that's and, and the top like four springs coils are progressive, so they'll squish right up. So the all-wheel drive springs are stiffer because the car weighs an additional, I think it's like 400 and something pounds in the rear because it has, you know, the fuel tank is moved and it has diff and it has axles and it has the carrier um, for the rear, you know, yeah. the, rear, the rear part of the drivetrain. So it's, it's a good bit heavier than just the twist beam axle that's yeah, in the... Throw some sandbags in there. Well, I mean, we're taking a trip with the car, so it'll be full of stuff anyway. So <laughs> Yeah, and those, and those springs solid. have, I bet, 60 thousand a hundred thousand miles on them you put um, a ton of miles on them i put some miles on them probably not quite that many but definitely up there i probably put 30 or forty thousand miles on them yeah so they're actually in pretty good shape i mean they had a little rust on them but i just wiped them down <clears throat> yeah i don't care what the springs look like i mean that is what it is it's not you're never gonna see them in the car so fun thing i, I won't be able to take that satisfying picture of the brand new you yeah. know strut and the brand new teal colored tine spring but it is what it is um, shipping is crazy expensive right Ship, now. Shipping is ridiculous unless you have a corporate account. I couldn't get the front springs as they're so big into that large flat. That is the largest flat rate box that they they make. Okay. And so it was 20 bucks to ship those. And I shipped them on Saturday and they showed up today. Today was Monday. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Insanity, right? Yeah. USPS. Awesome. Keep using USPS so we can keep it around because oh, absolutely uh the lady was like "Ooh, the front one the box she's like it's gonna be like 60 bucks i'm like "Ooh, it's pretty expensive um so i was like let me go to fedex she's like yeah if it's less than 40 bucks it'll be all right so i go to fedex 40 bucks okay um like took my license to like a picture of it yeah they're pretty did it. pretty severe there now with security yeah it's weird and then like i think like, the oh. is that they were like they were drug trafficking without knowledge. So they oh, now, I guess they now, they now check your ID. <laughs> oh, okay. So he was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Arizona is one of those weird States kind of like takes a while to get there. I'm like, what? He's like, Oh, maybe your buddy lives like out in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah middle Major of Phoenix. Yeah. suburban area. Yeah. Yeah. I, I live about 10 miles from the Capitol building, but you know, I'm definitely in the middle of nowhere. They, um, <laughs> so it, it says July fifth. Okay, it's crazy. Uh, it's, it's I checked the tracking. Different. It's in. It went from Wilmington, Connecticut. Sorry, Wilmington, Mass, yep. to Middletown, Connecticut. The the distribution center. Sure. From Saturday to Monday, like that's how long it took to get. Uh, Thirty hundred miles. Say forty five miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that makes me a little nervous because I'm. That doesn't leave me much time to put them in. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. sorry. Fingers, fingers crossed. He's checking. I'm like, I mean, it's gonna just like go quick at some point, right? Like, fingers crossed. At some point, how did, I, how did USPS get it there? In they must have put it on a plane. Like, how did they get a, it there? It's, so definitely, quick? it's definitely an airplane. There's no question. Because <laughs> it's gonna go on a FedEx truck and take. Well, so I, 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 for our friend Jordan, I went to the junkyard and I got that steering rack for him out of that yeah. Volvo. Um, and I, we went all over the place trying to find a place to ship that, and it cost a hundred dollars to ship it. Yeah, 
and it wasn't any kind of rush. It took about a week, week and a half to get there. Um, but it was a hundred dollars, like, like legitimately, like a hundred dollars to ship this part. Like, it was a, you know, 30, 40, $50, whatever it was for the used steering rack. It was a hundred dollars to ship it just because it was a weird shape. It wasn't even the weight. It was just the length of the package. So it's shipping is definitely very expensive right now. It's funny. I was laughing the other day because my father is looking at buying a set of wheels for a Spitfire. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, hey, I just figured out that this company that makes them is actually in Phoenix. I was like, oh, interesting. He's like, so maybe you can pick them up for me and save on the shipping. And I was like, well, <laughs> nope. I mean, I, I could definitely do that. But then you'd have to wait for me to drive a car across country to get them to you because it would probably cost me more to ship them after buying them than it would be for you to buy them from the factory and have them shipped directly to you. So I haven't, uh, I did not do that, but I, yeah, I don't know what they're is probably 60 bucks a piece. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know if they're scalping these big companies on, on big shipping. They're just rolling in free shipping charges. I'm sure into your buying stuff, but, Oh, absolutely. But it makes me a little less angry when I order something from like Rock Auto that, you know, they charge me three ninety nine to ship this little part. Like it's probably what it actually cost them to ship it. Yeah. Like the, the only thing with Rock Auto is you can get the world's cheapest parts there, but they don't have one warehouse. They come from all these like, you know, extra small warehouses all over the country. And you can order six parts that have them come from somehow seven different sources. And they charge you individual shipping on each one of them. So your cheap part suddenly becomes, you know, more expensive. Yeah, and then you'll get a uh, a tiny part in a giant box, and you're like, really? Like, I try yeah. to use the smallest box possible because they yeah. you know, get overcharged. Crazy. Well, I think that uh, it's worth it because you get a magnet with each one, so it's fine. Yeah, the magnet they throw in the trash. Oh, you don't put it in your garage door anymore? No, because I have so many. <laughs> oh, well. I had a bunch, and then, long story short, they're gone now, so I'm rebuilding my collection on the garage door. So, anyway... Speaking of Rock Auto, I bring that up specifically because... Oh, I, I put the camera bolts in the front, too. They're with the front springs? Yep. Oh, thank you. Excellent. Whenever they get here. So it's the front ones that aren't here yet, you said, right? Yeah, you get the rears. Okay. You could put the rears together. Well, are the, are the washers in with the fronts, too, though? Nope. Okay. I, I kept all the rear components together. All right. Maybe I'll do the on rears. On purpose. <laughs> May go to the rears this week, but I do have one project that's kind of in front of it right now. So uh, Friday night, I took the Crescent out and went to a a show across town by this. I don't know what it, it is. It's a, a Facebook page or Instagram page called Modded Culture. And I was like, well, it could be the world's worst car show I've ever been to. Or it could be half decent or it could be somewhere in between. Who knows? Um, it was put on by, by them and a place called the Detail Garage, which, if you didn't know any better, you would think is a detail shop. Yeah. But it's not a detail shop. It's a storefront that just sells detail supplies, which I thought was weird because I assumed it was a detail shop. Okay. I was wrong. Anyway, so I went to this show by this modded culture and detail garage, and actually it wound up being a decent time. Um, it was a younger crowd. It was definitely the lots of Dodge Chargers and new Camaros, but there was also a good portion of, you know, vintage import cars from the eighties. Um, a couple other, you know, muscle car things. It was, it was a good mix of cars. Um, and the cool thing was it's the first time I've been to any kind of a cars and coffee style 
it wasn't a cars and coffee because it was nighttime, but it was that same kind of casual, just like show up, wander around and leave. Uh, they had like a taco truck and the guy selling stickers and a guy selling uh, shaved ice and all that typical, typical car show around here stuff, it seems. Um, but the cool thing was, is that one of the guys who runs the place called the detail garage was walking around with a megaphone. And I was immediately annoyed because I was like, man, I really hate it when people have megaphones because they're always annoying. But it turns out that he was publicly shaming people that were doing things he didn't want them doing at his car show. Oh, <laughs> right. Which is surprisingly effective. So when you get a whole group of people together and somebody starts revving their engine, he'd get in the megaphone and he'd be like, you know, yellow Mustang, shut it down. Nobody cares. There's like 37 more of them here and they all sound the same, like loudly over the megaphone and publicly shaming these people for doing stupid things. And there were no burnouts. There was no revving. He stood up by the exit when everybody was leaving and yelled at everybody to slow down and nobody did donuts and nobody did anything crazy leaving, even though they were, you know, a bunch of young kids with their YouTube cameras ready to go. <laughs> so it, uh, public shaming is the way to go. I've learned this now. So, I mean, it may not be good for uh, what I, the Geneva convention might not like it, but uh, I dig it for a car show because it, it kept the crowd to a dull roar. Um, he yelled at people for having music too loud. He yelled at people for smoking weed. He yelled at people for doing anything that would get the show in trouble and make it so they couldn't have it in their lot anymore. So I, I think we need to uh, adopt this around the country for all cars and coffee style shows. Um, but anyway, so that was Friday night. So Saturday morning, I was going to head over to the four till four event. And I was like, well, I drove the Crest last night. And I'll just take the Sapporo today because, you know, it wasn't super hot and uh, it was early enough in the morning before it got like, you know, midday 110 degrees to drive a car without AC. So I pulled it out of the garage and uh, I usually rolled out of the garage before I start it because sometimes when you start it, it's a little bit rich and it kind of, it can stink the garage up, which can then in turn stink the house up um, until it warms up. So I rolled it out of the garage and I fired it up and it was idling. And uh, so I got out of the car to, you know, wipe it all down. And I got out of the car and the car stalled. I was like, oh, that's mm. weird. It's strange. So I got back in the car and I went to fire it back up again. And it does that sometimes when it's not warm because it's, you know, carburetors are cold blooded sometimes and they don't, uh, they don't always work. That's my dog coughing next to you. I'm sure you heard <laughs> that. Thanks. Thanks, Mojo. Um, so sometimes you get to start them a couple of times just till they warm up and get, you know, up to operating temperatures. It wasn't a big deal, but the car would not refire. And I was like, oh, man, this is annoying. So now I have the car out. I have it all wiped down. And I spent all this time. I'm alone now. And there's a little bit of an incline in my driveway. And I definitely cannot push it back in the garage by myself. So I was like, all right, well, I guess uh, I just go modern in the Volkswagen. And uh, we worry about this later. <laughs> So later on the day, I got home and uh, in the middle of the, you know, boiling hot Phoenix weather, I started to work on the Sapporo. Um, suspiciously, it uh, seemed like it was low on fuel. And I was like, well, I wouldn't have parked it empty. But maybe it's just too low on fuel and the way it's sitting, it's not, you know, hitting the pickup of the fuel tank right. So I ran to the gas station. I grabbed like uh, my three gallon container and uh, put three gallons of gas in it and it still wouldn't start. Uh, went up under the hood. I pulled the fuel line off of the fuel pump. It's a mechanical fuel pump under the hood. 
and there was no fuel in the fuel line at all. Okay. And then I went down mm. to the inline fuel filter. It's one of those clear fuel filters that you can see inside of, and it's fairly new because I put it in maybe, I don't know, two years ago. It's It's been driven. I drove it across country, but it's probably only been driven maybe five or 6,000 miles in this fuel filter. So it's pretty clear still, um, as it should be with you know a clean gas tank. Um, and there's no fuel in that either. So I'm like, huh. So I just... Uh, finalize and double check and make sure I had the right, you know, diagnose, diagnosis. Um, I give it a quick little squirt, just a half a, you know, half a spray of starting fluid and that fired right up and ran until it ran out of starting fluid. So the fuel pump is not pumping fuel. There's nothing else it can be. It's literally just lines from the tank to there. The fuel pump has to be it, right? So if the fuel pump was dry, the lines up to it were dry. Um, the line from the fuel pump to the carburetor was dry, so it's got to be the fuel pump. So I'm like, well, that's annoying because it's a 1983 Sapporo. What are the chances that there's a fuel pump anywhere near here? Um, O'Reilly's had a fuel pump in stock. Like, not like Weird. we can get that for you at a warehouse. Like, oh, it's right here on the shelf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's probably the same fuel pump for... A multitude of vehicles. I bet it's uh, like an aftermarket company made them, you know, Denso or whoever made them back in the day and probably made them for any vehicle that had a mechanical fuel pump. It literally just, you know, like a standard mechanical fuel pump on an overhead cam car. It bolts into the side of the cylinder head. It's got a little arm that rides on a lobe and, you know, that arm pumps up and down when the lobe goes up and down and it pumps fuel. It's, it's a very simple system. But, I mean, the car is an 83 it's got 80,000 miles on it. it. Modern fuels are not great for rubber. And what, no, the ethanol. It's no good. Yeah, and what's in that fuel pump that makes it work is a rubber diaphragm. So I can easily see that rubber diaphragm getting eaten over time, especially with these ethanol fuels, especially where the car sat for a long time in the junkyard before I got it. Uh, and it's been sitting. I haven't started it in probably three or four months. So could it have been enough to just... You know, eat through that little bit of, I'm sure it was already, you know, starting to go and that modern fuel just kind of sent it on its last rights. So I bought one. It's obviously it's a Chinese one they had in stock. Uh, I'm not sure if these things are rebuildable or not. It looks like a pretty sealed unit. Um, but I might pick up another one just to have lying around. They're only like 30 bucks. Um, so but that's like three of your cars, right? Uh, no, the only one that fits is a Sapporo now. So actually, you know what? Does it work on the 78 Colt? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to look. I'd I'd have to look. But the other thing is, is that it's not entirely a necessary piece anymore either. You can run a modern electric inline fuel pump that does do the same thing. So even if the parts were not available, you can just buy a universal inline fuel pump mounted on a frame rail and, and power it to, you know, keyed power to be fine. So I'm not terribly worried about it, but it would be good to have a spare one just to have, especially if I do ever take the car on another, you know, long distance road trip. Now that it has a Chinese part in it, <laughs> I probably should have mm-hmm. a spare one lying around. But I mean, it, it did me the favor of, you know, I, I drove that car, what, from Massachusetts to Pennsylvania for Radwood and back to Massachusetts. We drove it from Massachusetts to Austin, Texas, and then Austin, Texas to here, and then here to to Las Vegas and Vegas back to here. And it didn't fail any of those times. It failed in my driveway. So, 
I guess I can't. Uh, I like when they fail in the driveway. Yeah, I mean, I guess Convenient. I can't can't complain too much. The only inconvenience was, like I said, there's a little bit of a a slight incline to get back into my garage, and it's a little tight in the garage, so I didn't want to push it in by myself. But other than that, not a big deal. So that's where my shipping charges from Rock Auto conversation comes into play because I was, you know, I wasn't in a hurry to get it because it's like it's not a big deal. It wasn't a priority. Um, I have the Eclipse suspension to work on, so I was like, I don't care. Um, so I went on rock auto and I was looking at the parts and the part on rock auto was like $32 and it was like $40 on at O'Reilly's. Um, and I also wanted to get a carburetor base gasket cause you have to take the carburetor off of the intake manifold because it's in the way of the bump. So I wanted to replace that gasket that's at the base of the carburetor just to make sure I had a new one. And that was like, you know, a dollar on rock auto, but it was four ninety nine to ship it. <laughs> Cause it was a different warehouse than the pump and the pump was like eight ninety-nine or $9 or whatever to ship. So it wound up being $40 plus it was like almost with once tax was involved, it was like 52 50 for everything. And I was like, Hmm. Okay. Whereas I just went to O'Reilly's and they legitimately had the pump and the carburetor base gasket in stock. And the whole purchase price Unexpected. was like 40, $43 for everything. So that's what I did for that. So the parts here, I haven't put it in yet. Um, maybe after recording tonight, I'll go out there and do it. It was just it was a it was a busy weekend with some family stuff, so I didn't get a chance to actually dig into it. But maybe that'll be a uh, a today project. But yeah, so Sapporo's broken. Yeah, it sounds but, like you figured it out though. I I think I did. I mean, I I don't know what else it could be. Um, you know, I, I disconnected the fuel lines and I, I, I connected the fuel line from the tank back to the pump and I disconnected the one off the carburetor and I cranked it over and it didn't squirt fuel everywhere. So, I mean, that's my very simple diagnosis. Again, there's nothing else. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, there's no other, the fuel system is literally, you know, vacuum fed by that pump. So it's not like there's anything else it could be. There's no, yeah, it's fuel or spark. So. Yeah, and I established it had spark by giving it that little squirt of starter fluid one time. So, and it makes sense. It's like four years old. Good yeah. amount of miles on it. Yeah, it's forty years old. <laughs> it's not a new Drew car. A lot. So, I mean, how many times is it like pump right? <laughs> a lot, because it's it's off the cam, so it's it, spinning really it's fast. Been, whatever the yeah, whatever the RPM is, how many times it's spinning? So if you run that thing down the highway at 4,000 RPM. It's it's pumping 4,000 times a minute. Is that right? That's how that works. Uh, so no, the crankshaft spins. Oh, faster. The, crank, the crank spins faster. You're right. You're sorry, right. You're sorry, right. sorry. No, I said that wrong. The camshaft spins, spins faster. Yeah, so it's more than 4,000 times. Yeah, yeah. Because it's small. It's a smaller. It's underdriven from the, from yep. the crank. So yeah. So if it's 4,000 in the bottom, was it 6,000 in top, or even more? Who knows? Yeah, it's like so, the balance shaft spin it like twice usually. Yeah. So basically what I'm saying is it spins fast and it pumps a lot. <laughs> so I think it's if, like a, uh, it's like a high pressure fuel pump for a direct injection. Similar. Sure. I mean, it's, it, it works like it works like the heart inside your chest. It pumps with your heartbeat. You know, it's how it keeps you running. It's the same kind of deal. So and if your heartbeat runs at 120 beats per minute all the time, then guess what? You're not going to make it much past 40 either. So I guess it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of a similar situation. So anyway, I got I got to figure it out. Tune in next week to find out. 
So, uh, did you find any of those new um, German Hot Wheels premiums? Maybe. I gotta find like a decent store here that the local Target just never has anything. Just well, decimated. A, again, you're in a weird place right now. Um, oh, I'm in a weird place. Yeah, there's that whole again that supply chain thing right now. Um, I haven't seen them either. Okay. I just happened to. So there's been three sets of premium Hot Wheels cars that have come out. Yep. That have never hit the stores by me. Hmm. So. I actually just found the German cars last week uh, and they're the first set I've seen in a long time. And they were the only thing on the shelf. E- even the regular $1 Hot Wheels had maybe like 30 cars. Oh, they have plenty of $1 Hot Wheels. They have none of the premiums ever. So I did find, and actually if you paid attention, Andrew, you would know I found them already because last week on the Diecast Daily, I put a, um, one of the days was the S4 Quattro, the B5 S4, which is from that set. Oh, I did see that. So, and then one of the ones this week is going to be the Mercedes Benz 300 SEL. Yeah, that one's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I did find that one. I actually just happened to find that one yesterday. Um, that's the only one I really want. Yeah, and that's the only one I really, really wanted. I wanted the I wanted the Audi too, actually. Uh, the V4 is pretty cool. Yeah. And the uh, panel bus is neat, um, but I know I'll never find that because Volkswagen diecast collectors are crazy and they buy everything all the time. I bought a 164 uh, Calsonic Premiere. Yeah, uh, I saw that. You know, the you know, you know, 64. I was trying to think who it was. Pop yeah. race, but it's you know, you know, 64. Which it's really good looking. Yep. Yep. Nope. It's they're quickly becoming really the best, the best of the premium blame, manufacturers. Blame you for my new ultra scale 164 addiction here. Whatever. It's all part of being a car guy, I guess. Because now I get like. I'll open the because I bought a couple from Hobbylink Japan. Yep. So now they send me the diecast email as well as, as well as the okay uh, model car one. So like I sent you the other day, like they're coming out with a left hand drive, um, Galant VR four, okay, one sixty fourth. I think it's Pop Race. I forget who it is. Uh, it looks pretty good. No, I think it is Paragon sixty four. Okay. Because I just got the, it took like a whole year for it to come in, the 143rd. Correct. Glad by, by Mark 43? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, another Galant. Yeah, you could be in my position who has bought enough stuff from the local dealer that when he gets Mitsubishi stuff he finds, he immediately sends me a picture of it and says, I'm putting this in a box aside for you. <laughs> and then you're forced to buy it later on because he puts it aside for you. Oh, <laughs> so I have a Tomica, which I have not seen in a very long time, limited vintage um, Galant VR4 in two-tone black and silver sitting, oh. uh, sitting aside for me, which is actually pretty hard to find nowadays. So again, that's uh, Instagram at the toy pimp. <laughs> if, you need to, yep. if you need to spend lots and lots of money, he ships everywhere and he's very reliable. So yeah, I am. Um... What else did they have? Oh, Celica GT4. I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll put that in the cart. In um, Mark 40, 43rd or 64th? 64th. Okay, yep. So that's the Pop Race one, the street okay. version of it. I have the, and... the Castrol race car that if you look back in the Diecast Dailies maybe a month or two ago, um, I put that in there. 
And there was a cool uh, 911 GT3. I think it was a Tarmac Works. GT2. Okay. A gritty uh, sponsored GT2. one? Yeah. No, the red one. Just red. Oh, plain red? Street street version red. Yeah. Gold Excellent. CBS. Um, I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I bought one of them as an, as an investment, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. The Tarmac Works are crazy, right? I was watching some of the things go through, and they did a 911 GT3. It wasn't the Tarmac Work. It was a different company. Um, but it was, it's a red 911, you know, GT2 cup car, but it has the Supreme logo on the side. Oh, you, you grabbed one of those. I grabbed one of those when they first Whoa. came out because yeah, I figured a, for sure uh, they were going to go up in price. I think they and, were uh, limited drops. They were, it's not actually officially from Supreme though. Um, Weird. yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a bootleg, but that's fine. Cause I don't care because the whole Supreme brand is bootleg from the beginning. And I actually don't even like it and i don't normally do things like that but listen, i was like listen i don't make the rules to this game right. but i'll play it <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly because i was looking because i bought back in the beginning of my collecting of these 64ths i bought the tarmac works um one 64th 911 gt2 um not gt2 sorry the rwb 911 with the apple computer livery on it yeah uh, which is now of a price where I would never even touch it. But I don't want to sell it because it's cool and looking to my shelf. Yeah. So I figured hopefully this will go the same direction that that one did. <laughs> and if it does, great. And if it doesn't, yeah, I'll take it apart and paint it. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, I'm i completely addicted to them. And I have to remind myself sometimes not to buy them because... It seems so innocent when you buy one. You're like, yeah, whatever. It's 15, 20 bucks. And then you remember that once you have like, I don't know, 25 of them, that that $20 times 25 is a lot of money. Yeah. And I could have put money into my real cars that I didn't. So it's uh, it's addicting, but just like anything else is addicting. I guess it gets dangerous, huh? Yeah, I might do one a month or something. It's not, I try not to do them too often. Yeah, right now the Tarmac Works 164th Apple computer car is about $90. Yeah, so. It's wild how they just blew up all of a sudden and a lot of people are into them. Yep. Oh, it's a nine. It's a nine six. It's a 964, I think, RWB or 930. 930 RWB. I mean, I'm more into it than the, the pins. Pins are weird. I don't get the pins. I don't get it. But I guess they're small. I don't know. They're easy to collect. I may have to buy one of the GT2s that you because it's a 993, isn't it? I've got a 993, yeah. And which one did you get? I reserved it. It's red, gold BBS. Oh, the the, the, plain, the plain red one? Yeah, I'll find it. I'll send it to you afterwards. No, it's an RWB car. Is so, it? Yeah, it's not GT2. It's still cool, though. Uh, no, I'll find the one. It was a GT2. Anyway. Anyway, yep. Um, <laughs> That's uh, that's a that's scale a project cars. Yeah, <laughs> that's an episode. <laughs> no project cars. So, oh, um, uh, one quick thing before we go. What's um, uh, doing a little auction watching. I don't want to get too deep into the paint on this one here, but um, as the Dodge Colt fans that we, I, oh, I am. You. Um, well, you like my Dodge Colts. That's one car you appreciate a little bit, I think. Yeah. Um, one sold at Barrett Jackson finally. And uh, I've been kind of waiting for this kind of moment. It's like, you know, the Dodge Colt moment of of fame here. Uh, it was a no-reserve no car. car. No car. It was a no-reserve car. It's a 73 coupe. 
Uh, it's a car that was, I think, originally sold in Canada. Um, it's a car that I personally tried to buy probably six or seven years ago. And I think it was $4,500 then. I mean, which, which Colt in the United States haven't you tried to buy? That's not important right now. Um, but anyway, this is a first gen, which is a uh, first gen has eluded me for a while now. I've, I've always wanted to find a clean first gen Colt because they really have that mini muscle car styling. They have the quad headlights. They have the little three little gills in front of the rear wheels. Um, they have a very swept back rear glass. It really has that, uh, pony car two uh, thirds scale pony car look. Uh, and I've, I've really want to find one and I just haven't quite found one yet. But this particular card sold at no reserve at the Las Vegas Barrage Jackson auction for $22,000. Whoa. Which is a huge record, obviously, for any kind of a Dodge Gold. Um, it's completely ridiculous. Um, I'm wondering now, I thought it may have been the car I tried to buy before, but now they're saying it's been fully restored and the one I was trying to buy was original. But it's the same red with white vinyl top over Panda Sports, so I'm not sure which the true statement is. But either way, a $22,000 Dodge Colt is a uh, a huge moment in Dodge Colt history because that hasn't mm-hmm. happened before. I think the record before was like eight grand. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty interested to see what happens to others. I mean, one car obviously doesn't make all of them go up, but it certainly doesn't hurt that history is out there now. So... If you get a chance to look it up, it's a, it's a real pretty car. It's a 1.6, which was the biggest motor that came in the first gens with a five-speed, um, actually four-speed, excuse me. Um, white vinyl material, white vinyl top, red car. It's it's a gorgeous car. So it's definitely not... Uh, it's definitely not what I would pay for it but it's interesting to see them going for that. And you know what? Actually, let me rephrase that. I probably would if I had the money because <laughs> it's the nicest in the world. So look that one up. It sold recently. It's interesting. The wheels don't fit very well, but that's okay. I can change that. 22 grand though. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for Dodge mm-hmm. Gold. Anyway, that's an episode now. I just wanted to bring that up. All right, cool. That means there's so, like four people that like these because two people are bidding on it at least. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, as always, follow us on uh, Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast, Auto Off Topic on Instagram for Brad's Diecast Daily in the stories. Uh, follow me on Twitter and uh, on Instagram, Race and Anger. Brad, where can they find you? They can also find me on Instagram at TSISS350. Cool. Keep cars analog and aim for the roses. Yeah.